Welcome to Kuhau Podcast. We thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know that you are a part of a new loving family. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you and transforms your life. Now stay tuned for today's message. Let's open up our Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Uh, we're going to start a new series today. And, and I believe that as we begin this new series that our the shape of our church is going to begin to change. Like God is going to begin to do some things, not only as a church community, but also in your individual life. What we have begun is 40 days of prayer and 21 days of fasting and so today we begin our first day of the Daniel fast and what if you're interested in participating in the Daniel fast which is find found in the Bible you can um, you can go to the guest connections area and you can pick up a pamphlet and it'll give you all the details of what you can eat or what you can't eat and again this is not to be some strict or strenuous type of thing it's it's actually meant uh, for you to step up to the challenge of maybe putting some things to the side and use that moment in which you would normally be feasting to connect with God. Amen? I want to tell you something by, from experience. There's something about hunger that just connects you to God in a different way. Something about experiencing that hunger that allows you just to depend on a God on a whole nother level. Amen? Uh, and so today we begin that series. We're going to be talking about prayer. Someone shout prayer. And so one of the scriptures that I love to teach on is Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. If you have your real Bible, you can turn the page. If you have your glow-in-the-dark dark Bible, you can um, turn it on or scroll down and go to Philippians chapter 4. And it says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. The message translation puts it this way, if we can go, it says, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape, watch this, shape your worries into prayers. Letting God know your concerns before you know it. I love this part right here. It says, before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness Everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Mm. We'll read that one more time because I got excited and no one else did. So I'm going to give you guys another try. It says, it's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of of your life would you just join me in prayer as we bow our heads close our eyes god we thank you because you're doing it all lord we believe this word is going forth oh god and i'm speaking but i'm really just the tool that you're using 
to communicate to your church. So Lord, I'm imperfect, but your word is perfect. So would you speak to your people today that they may leave this place, not in the same manner that they came, but even more blessed. In Jesus' name we pray and we love you, Lord, and God's people shout amen. Come on, let's give God some praise in this house one more time. So we are starting a series of prayer, and I want to share this quote with you, but before I do, I want to I want to kind of tell you this, uh, share a couple of stories. I don't know about you, but uh, anybody here ever had or has embarrassing parents? You know, unfortunately, we have become those embarrassing parents, most of us. Ain't that right, Bishop? I will kiss you right now in front of everybody. Um, and uh, one of the, there's three things that I absolutely hated about what my dad used to do. You know, and, and, and if you ever met my dad, you'd be like, oh, okay, I understand, Pastor Rowe, you are explaining it all. It, it makes all the sense in the world. And uh, the first thing that I absolutely detested my father to do was pick me up from school. And you're saying, why, Pastor Rowe? Well, you don't understand that my, my father, he would show up at my school, hear this, he would show up at my school with a sombrero, a tropical shirt, Ripped pum pum shorts, no socks, and leather shoes. And it doesn't stop there because he would pick me up from school and he would have this walk. And so my father would walk to school and you could see him. You can see him from a mile away because he would walk with a swag. Before Vince McMahon had the no chance in hell walk, my father owned that walk. He, what's the matter for you? What's your, what, what's your problem, my friend? I'm talking to you right now. And he had this little swag about him, but he had some jean, ripped up poom poom shorts, no socks and leather shoes, walking around like he was it, right? And so he would show up, and the teachers would complain about his son, and that wasn't the problem. The problem wasn't, it wasn't just his attire. The problem was is that he would try to save everybody in my school. And so the teacher would be like, your son wasn't behaving today. And he would be like, yeah, but my son's going to heaven. How about you? And he would, he would walk around with these little pamphlets, and we used to call them tracks, and he would take these little pamphlets, and he would give them out to every single person in the school. He would, hold on, wait right there, and he would give them out to all my teachers, and he was known in my school for the track guy, and he would give out all these tracks to every single person because he wanted to make sure that he was, he was preaching, and he was saying, and, 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 and he would fight with them, and, he would, and they would talk about how bad I was doing in school, and he'd be talking about how bad they're doing in their spiritual life. He's like, there are more things that are important than education. Do you know your word? My son knows all the books in the Bible. Do you know your word? Right? I used to hate when my father used to pick me up from school because it was so embarrassing. Another thing that I absolutely detested about my father is that my father, I don't know about you, but when I have dirt in my face, you use something called soap. In a Hispanic home, for some reason, a parent... My father thought it was okay to use something called saliva to wash, to wash off the chocolate milk from the side of my face. And so it wasn't hand sanitizer. It wasn't soap. No, apparently there was an anointing in the saliva. And so my father would lick his finger twice and wipe the side of my face. And now I don't have chocolate milk. Now I have anointed saliva on my face. I used to hate, now I am the father that is doing the very same thing that my, I used to hate my father doing. I used to hate when my father used to pick me up from school. I absolutely did not like when he used to wipe his saliva on my face, talking about I'm cleaning the, the stain that on your, that's on your face. And I used to absolutely detest 
going to the pool with him. Because I, I used to absolutely detest going to the pool with my father because you would think that we were going to the pool to learn the backstroke, the front stroke, and the doggy paddle. But no, we were going to the pool to survive being drowned by my father. See, I thought going to the pool would look something like this. Cannonball! No. Going to the pool was like this for me. Can anyone relate? And my father, he would think it was the funniest thing in the world to put me in a full Nelson and submerge me underwater until my lips turned blue. I kid you not, there were a couple of times that I went through that tunnel and I saw the bright light. And just when I thought I was going to reach the bright light, my father picked me up from under the water and I was swooped right back into reality. Couldn't breathe. I thought I had asthma. You ever cried so hard that you convinced yourself you had asthma? <clears throat> oh my God, I need my pump. I don't got a pump, but I need air right now. My father would hold me down under the water until my face turned blue. And, he, and he's laughing his behind off. And I'm looking at him. I was like, it's not funny anymore. It's not funny. You stop away. It's not funny. I can't breathe. I got boogers in my mouth. I can't breathe. I convinced myself I had it. And I, I remember that as I came through the water, let me tell you something. There's some craziness. There's some, something like you, you feel another level of pain when you can't breathe and, and, and water is going up your nose. Anybody experienced that? Like, I, there's a whole nother level to this. Like, I thought feeling pain was painful or stubbing your, your toe in the dark was painful. But let me tell you, there's another level of pain when you feel like you can't breathe. And I was under the water, gasping for air, sucking up all the water. When I got out of the water, I'm like, ah, ah, ah. I all my lungs wanted to happen was that I'd be filled with the most basic need of humanity, air. That's it. That's all I wanted. My lungs were like, please give me air. And I would breathe in. And I would breathe in. And I would breathe in. It's funny how so many times we take for granted something so basic like air, right? You take it for granted. Like no one tells you to breathe. You just breathe. But I share that because I want to share this quote with you that I, I like to teach on prayer, starting with this quote, because I think it's so fundamentally important, and it's this, that the way your lungs need air, your soul needs prayer. I want to share that with you today, and I want to start from this foundational piece that the way your lungs need air, your soul needs prayer. Let me tell you something, there's nothing that's going to replace connecting with God. That in the same way that you live your life and you inhale and exhale the same way your life needs oxygen, the same way you breathe. Let me tell you something. Your soul needs prayer in the very same way. And, and in the same way that uh, when I'm underwater and my lungs are gasping for air and they need oxygen to fill them, when you are disconnected from your creator, what happens to your soul? It's yearning to connect with creator. It's yearning to be filled with the breath of life life with which is connecting with God the same way your lungs need air your soul needs prayer why 
Because you are hardwired, you are designed, you are created to be in constant connection to your daddy. You are hardwired to, to be connected to God. You are hardwired to be connected with creator. The way your makeup is, the way you were created, the way you were designed, God designed you from the inside out to be in constant communion with him. And so when we strip ourselves from that very communion and we connect with everything else other than the thing that we were designed to connect for, we end up living our lives gasping for air on the inside and not realizing it. And so the way our lungs need air, our soul needs prayer. This is why Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 6, chapter 3, he says, he has planted, watch this, eternity in the human heart. Woo! That's good right there. That could preach for itself. He has planted what? Eternity in the human heart. Do you know why we cannot be satisfied with temporary things? It's because those things are temporary and they're not eternal. The longing in your heart is for an eternal desire. The, the greatest need that you have in life is an eternal, is an eternal desire. And many times we try to satisfy us with what's temporary when God is saying, no, I didn't put, it, I didn't put temporary in your heart. I put eternity inside of your heart. And so that's why there is a God-shaped void in your life. And the only thing that can fill it up, you can put other things, you can put places, persons, or things inside that hole but that is a God-shaped hole in your life. He has placed eternity inside of you and the only thing that can fill that void is God. You have a God-shaped void. We all have a God-shaped void. This is why that even, even people that have never been preached to before, this is why in all remote, remote parts of the earth, what you will see people is looking for something to worship. Why? Because you are hardwired to worship. You are hardwired to seek something to worship why? Because there is eternity planted in your heart. And there's a void inside of all of us. Now, I want to start, I want to hit the pause button real quick. And I want to say this, that, you know, when we talk about prayer, you know what tends to happen? If you don't believe me, you haven't been in church long enough. But what happens and when, when we talk about prayer, I want, I want to disarm some people and let, let, let us know that you don't have to assume this, the position of a spank. You know what happens, we sit in our seat and, and what happens is that we, we start preparing ourselves for a spank. Oh, Pastor Rose talking about prayer today. I know, I know, Pastor Rose. I know, I gotta pray more. I know, I, that's it, I'm gonna do it. New Year's, I'm gonna pray more. I'm gonna pray up. All right, Pastor Rose. I'm gonna, all right, all right, I know, I know. And I, it's like when I used to behave bad and, and I used to, the whole way home, I was, Daddy, are you gonna hit me? 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 Until I got hit when I got home. And I would get home and I would have to assume the position. And I would get whooped. And so when we come to church, sometimes when we hear the prayer, we're like, man, I know I, know I got to pray, but oh, man. All right, Pastor. And what happens is that sometimes we leave the, the, the service more discouraged than encouraged. Right? We leave discouraged, oh God, or we, 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 we leave the place with such, such zeal and we're like, all right, we're going to do this finally. We're going to pray. 
And the next time somebody asks you to pray, you're at Applebee's and they ask you to pray for the food and you go full-blown in tongues talking about, Father, we're praying for the nations right now. Well, I am the head and not the tail. I am above and not beneath. Oh, Lord, I thank you right now. I'm like, yo, we hungry? We just want to pray for Applebee's. Right? Uh, that's what happens, right? We, we just get either discouraged or so, like, encouraged that we're like, all right, you know, but I want to disarm you today. I want to let you know, like, listen, you don't have to the, assume the position of a spank because you're not here to get spanked at church. In fact, here, here's, I want, this, here's something I want you to know about our church is this, that you, when we're, we're not called to be driven by our guilt, but to be drawn by grace. Did you hear that today? That you're not called to be driven by guilt, but to be drawn by God's grace. Anything that we share with you in this church community, I want to let you know that it's never to be driven by guilt. When you hear a message about prayer, when you hear a message about generosity and giving, when you hear a message about serving, I want you to know that it's never meant to be for you to be driven by guilt. Well, I have to do this and I got to make sure because I want to make sure I dot all my I's and cross all my T's. No, it's always uh, as a response, it's always because you are drawn by the grace of God. See, because prayer is not so much a command than it is an invitation for you to commune with God. It is an invitation for you to connect with your creator. It is God saying, listen, I don't want you to feel guilty. I don't want you to feel bad. I don't want you to feel discouraged about your prayer life. I just want you to be drawn by my grace. I just want you to come and seek me. I just want you to come and talk to me. I just want you to come and commune with me. It's not so much a command as it is an invitation for you to experience true life. See, the same way your soul, your lungs need air, your soul needs prayer. And so we ask the question, like, okay, so what? I, I got to pray, so okay, how long do I pray and where do I pray? And the title to today's message is this, a better way to pray. And I think that so many times we have this misconception about prayer, but I believe that today we're going to learn a better way to pray. We have this misunderstanding, how long should I pray? Who should I pray with? Uh, should it be in the morning? Should it be at night? And, and we, we don't understand what prayer is. As a matter of fact, the disciples had the same questions. In Romans chapter 8, what you will see, it says, for we don't even know what we should pray, for, nor how to pray as we should. The disciples looked at Jesus performing miracles, and they never asked them, how do I perform a miracle? The disciples looked at Jesus preaching the most epic messages in human history, and they never asked them, how could I preach? They never asked them, teach me how to do miracles, teach me how to preach. You know what they asked them? They said, Master, can you teach us how to pray? Because I see that you perform miracles, but I see that the source to the miracles that you are performing are actually found in the time of prayer that you're having. He says, can you teach us how to pray? So I want to let you know what prayer is not. Prayer is not a genie in a bottle. Come, 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 rub me. No, anyway. Prayer is not a monologue. That wasn't that funny, honey. Anyway. <laughs> prayer, <laughs> prayer is not a ritual to relieve your guilty conscience. Prayer is not a transaction between you and God where you beg bargain or try to buy, bribe God for something. You ever try to bribe God? God, if you do, if you do this for me, I'll do this. I, I've been guilty of that. I'm like, God, I promise this last time. I promise. Why? Because prayer is not meant to be a burden. It's meant to be a blessing. 
See, if you ever want to experience the fullness of life, if you, how many of you guys want to experience joy? Give God some praise. If you want to experience joy. How many of you want to experience peace? Give God some praise. How many want to experience happiness and fulfillment and satisfaction? How many want to experience that life? That is the invitation that God is giving us. He's saying prayer is not meant to be a burden. It's actually meant to be a blessing. This is why the Apostle Paul, he says, don't worry about anything. We should pray about everything. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, you should pray about everything. Wait, hold on a second. I, I shouldn't worry about anything? Anything? There's got to be one of those times that the Apostle Paul is exaggerating. Like this, he can't mean anything. Anything? Anything. Wait, he says, don't pray about, don't worry about anything? Are you being exaggerated? This is exaggeration right here? You don't pray about anything? Instead, pray about everything. I, I, I find it that it's easier to worry than it is to pray sometimes. I find that there's sometimes it feels like I can worry about everything and pray about nothing. I find it sometimes that it's easier to worry. Well, how can I... I Worry is an involuntary behavior. There's no one in this place that ever said, you know what I'm going to do tonight? I'm going to stay up the whole entire night because I want to do something, and it's called worry. I'm going to lose sleep this whole night because I want to feel anxious about this. I want to feel anxiety. I want to worry. I don't want to sleep tonight. Anybody have had that experience? No, not one of us, right? Nobody here. I want to worry today. No, it's an involuntary behavior. It's an involuntary emotion. You just, for some reason, it takes a hold of you. But here's why. Because your worry is actually, when you live a life that's dictated by worry, it is a symptom of a life that's disconnected from worship. See, when you're living a life that is dictated or dominated by worry, it is a life that... Oftentimes, it's just a symptom that is happening in your life. And so often in our life, we want to deal with the worry, the things that are worrying us, the things that are stressing us out. Paul, how can you say don't worry about anything? Man, I got so many things to worry about. I got to worry about work. I got to worry about my job. I got to worry about my business. I got to worry about the economy. I got to worry about the president. I got to worry about my family responsibility. I got to worry about my relationships. I got to worry about if I'm going to get married, if I'm going to have a husband, if I'm going to have a wife, am I going to have a girlfriend? Am I going to have a boyfriend? I got to worry about my health. Am I going to be able to live till tomorrow with eating all this polluted food hashtag I ain't judging y'all but you can continue to eat animals I got so many things to worry about I gotta pay the rent I gotta pay the mortgage I gotta I gotta make sure that I got I got so many things to worry about and God is saying listen you can live a worry-free life did you hear that he says you don't have to worry about anything I'm not being exaggerated I'm just letting you know you can live a worry-free life why because worry is simply a symptom. It's a symptom. See, worry is not something you voluntarily do. It is simply something that manifests because of a lack of something. And so many times uh, our life kind of looks like this. Here we are. And, and, and all right, here's our, here we go. All right? 
That's what our life looks like. And Ta-da! It's not working. Why is this not working? I put everything right. This is tight. This is tight. And, and, and what happens, it, it must be the, the switch. It must be the bulb. But what you will notice is that it's disconnected. See, it doesn't matter how pretty this lamp looks. <laughs> it doesn't matter if every component in this lamp, lamp seems like it's functioning the way it's supposed to function. When it's disconnected, it'll never be able to live till its full potential. See, when you disconnect this lamp, you could start using it for other things, but it's never actually doing the thing that it was designed to do until it's plugged in. And, and what happens in our life, catch this, catch this, when we start stressing out and we start worrying, we're actually dealing with the symptoms and not actually the source of the problem. So what happens in our, what happens in our own life? You know what happens is, because there's a lack of connection, we worry. But worry doesn't come alone because worry actually brings stress. And I can tell you this country, stress is running rampant. And so then we try to deal with the stress when God is saying, no, the only reason you're having stress is because you're not connected. And so what we do is we live a life switching out light bulbs. It must, not, it must be the light bulb. So the light bulb is not working. It must be the marriage. The marriage is not working. It must be the finances. The finance is not working. The household is, the household is going crazy. The job is going crazy. So I just got to switch the light bulb. And it doesn't matter how many times you switch this light bulb. And it doesn't matter how many times you turn on this switch. That None of that matters. If I can finally twist this thing in here. It doesn't matter how many times you switch this lamp. It is only until it's connected that it will live to its full potential. I don't know about you, but I don't want to waste my life switching out light bulbs over and over and over again. Thinking and dealing with the symptom. Stressing myself out and, and trying to deal with symptoms. There are body ailments that we are experiencing and it's not because something's going on wrong with our body. It's because we are so stressed out that our body is saying, listen, I need to be connected. I'm living a life that I was never meant to live because I'm not being connected to the source. And so we spend the rest of our life, what? Dealing with the symptom, changing out the bowls, flipping the switch, seeing what's wrong with it. And God says, you just need to get plugged into me. This country, man, it's, it's running rampant. And God is saying it just needs to be connected. Because uh, our bodies are suffering. Stress, can you imagine that stress can manifest itself? It's an inner thing. Stress and worry is an inner thing and it manifests itself in bodily form. That your soul gets so sick. Hear me. Your soul gets so sick that your body starts responding to it. It was a very stressful time in my wife's life. 
And I don't know if I'm going to get in trouble for sharing this, but it's under the Holy Spirit. Blame God. Um, it was a stressful time in my wife's life that she started losing her hair. And there was no cause other than stress, other than anxiety, other than worry. And what she started to realize that no matter how much medication she would have taken, that the source of the problem was not medicating the stress and medicating the worry. It was actually getting connected to the source, which is God. And as you can see, she has beautiful locks of hair going down. Someone say, she got connected. Amen. And so, what, I want to give you some statistics here. Most Americans are suffering from moderate to high stress with 44% reporting that their stress levels have increased over the past five years. Stress has also taken a toll on kids. Almost one-third of children reported that in the last month they had experienced a physical health symptom often associated with stress. Like, uh, stress such as headaches, stomach aches, or trouble falling, uh, falling or staying asleep. In addition, parents don't realize that their own stress is affecting their kids. 86% of youth say they are impacted by the stress their parents are experiencing. We have to deal with things that we never dealt with before in this country. We have to deal with stress that we never thought. I never thought that someone would actually commit suicide because they didn't get enough likes on Facebook, because they didn't get enough followers. I didn't know that people needed affirmation from people that they didn't even know. And if they didn't get the affirmation from people they didn't even know, it was at such a time in our life that the only people we needed affirmation from was those closest to us. But now, those that we were in relationship with, with. but now in this generation, we are getting stressed stressed out because the people that we are seeking to affirm us, we don't even know. And so you don't know me, but I'm looking for affirmation from you. And so if I don't get that now, it's a case of identity and I'm stressing out and God is saying, no, what you don't understand in the same way that you have a need for interpersonal relationships, you also have an absolute need to connect with the source of your life, Jesus. So the Apostle Paul says, he says, don't, don't worry about anything. He says, pray about everything. Why? Because God wants to be involved in every single day normal experiences with you. God is saying, listen, I don't want to put a limit to what you can talk to me about. I don't want to put a limit to what you can converse with me about. I don't, want to, I don't want you to feel like you can't pray. I don't want to feel like you have to come to me a certain way. I don't want you to feel like you have limitations. Well, I got to make sure it's this, and I got to make sure it's that, and I got to make sure I do it right. God is saying, no, listen, you can pray about everything. Baby mama drama, you can pray about that. A heartache, you could pray about that. You got an impossible task, you could pray about that. You got bills piling up, piling up, you can pray about that. You got your health condition going wrong, you can pray about that. You got good things happening, you can pray about that. You need a parking spot when you get to Applebee's, you can pray about that. God is saying, listen, don't worry about anything. As a matter of fact, the next time you think that you need to worry about something, switch it up and say, no, I'm going to pray about that instead of worrying about that. 
I want to give you real quickly, real quickly. This is going to, amen. This is going to change your prayer life right here, right here. I want to give you four pillars, four pillars to experience simple, powerful prayers. These are the secret, this is, the, this, is the, this is how you're going to experience the better way to pray. This is how you're going to experience the better way to pray. This is the secret to simple, powerful prayers. Number one, I want you to know from the get, prayer has less to do with your desire and more to do with God's delight. <laughs> See, many times that we, we, we think that we, we need to feel a goosebump or we need to feel something, but, and, and we think that we don't, oh, we're, just, we're just discouraged when it comes to prayer because I don't have the desire to pray. I don't have the desire to pray, but what you don't understand is that you're focused on prayer when God is, wants you to focus on the one you're praying to. Do you know that everyone prays? Even atheists pray? And if you're here and you're an atheist, guess what? You, I, I, you don't pray. Oh, I don't pray. When you stub your toe, who's the first person you call? <laughs> when someone punches you in the gut, oh, God. We all pray. We all pray. Listen, every religion under the sun prays, but the power is actually not in prayer. The power is in the one we're praying to. <laughs> See, because prayer has less to do with your desire and more to do with God's delight. God wants to talk to you. God loves you. When I tell people to spend time with the Lord, I want them to know that it's not about your desire. It's about God's delight. And when you focus on God's delight, man, you're just drawn into him. When you know that the creator of the universe wants to spend your morning with you, he wants you to have coffee with him. He wants you to converse with him. So what you look crazy talking to the air? People don't need to. You already look crazy stressing out. Why don't you look crazy praying out? And so prayer has less to do with your desire and more to do with God's delight. Look what 1 John chapter 4, verse 14 says. We are sure that if we ask anything he wants us to have, he will hear us. If we ask anything he wants us to have, he will hear us. If we are sure he hears us, when we ask, we can be sure he will give us what we ask for. He says, listen, I want to let you know that every time you open, open up your mouth to speak God, to God, he does not reject your prayer. God actually desires to speak to you. God wants to hear you. God wants to commune with you. He created you. God invented prayer. Why? Because he wanted to connect with you. He wanted to talk to you. He wanted to experience. He wanted to be in conversation with you. Well, what are you wearing today? Well, God, I think I'm going to wear... An outfit that doesn't match, again. What are you going to have for breakfast? He wants you to just talk to him. He doesn't want you to find the right things to talk about. He wants you to simply talk to him. Number two, prayer has less to do with how super spiritual they sound and more to do with how sincere they are. <laughs> how many times have you felt, like you've been in prayer or something, like, and sometimes when we gather up in prayer groups, like I've been in groups, you know, like, <clears throat> I've been in groups with other pastors and I'm, and I'm praying and, and, and I'm a pastor and I've been praying for about 17 years, right? So I've been holding people's hands and, 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 and you, you get that one prayer warrior that, man, they pray the heck out of that circle. 
You know what I'm talking about. Like, you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Like, you hold hands, and they start shaking your hand. If you ever held, I might have been that guy one time or two, but listen, you're holding their hand, and, 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 and you're praying, and they pray the heck out of that circle. What do you mean? Oh, I could even say they pray the hell out of that circle, right? Because they actually do pray the hell out of that circle. <laughs> but they hold their hands, and they're, and they're praying, right? And they're like, my God, Jesus, we call upon your name. And after you hearing them pray, like, I got to go next after that? Like, chill, like, chill. Like, I don't even feel adequate enough to pray. And they sound so like, you know, they, like, listen, if, you, if you're praying with thou's and thou, and thou's and does and old, and you're praying old English, God is looking at you and he's like, I don't speak old English. And you, neither do you. God just wants you to talk to him. Hey, what's up, God? If that's sincere, that's what God wants to hear. God doesn't want to hear how super spiritual you sound. And, and, and please, please don't take me wrong. I, I know that many times we can sound super spiritual and it still can be sincere. But what I'm trying to communicate is that a better way to pray is simply to focus on how sincere it is and not the words you got to use to say them. Well, I got to make sure that I'm, I'm calling him by the right name and I got to make sure that I got to make sure. And God is just saying, hey, can you just talk to me? Can you just talk to me? Hey, say, what's up, God? Yeah, you know, I was going through this today, and, 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 and let me tell you, there was a time in my life where I thought that I had to have the perfect words to speak to God, but I didn't understand that God was the perfect word manifested. I should re- No, I'm not going to say that again. We're going to go to part two. <laughs> Hebrews says, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting in him. Number three, prayer has less to do with length and more to do with love. God's not looking for long, extensive, drawn-out prayers, adding words and fillers. You know, you know what? This happens to all of us. I know anybody that's been praying long enough is that we have fillers. You ever seen that meme where it says that we use the word just all the time in prayer? You ever seen that meme, that video? It's like, Father, we just, just, Father, and just right now, Lord, and just the way it is, and we use this word just as a filler, and, and, and I'm guilty of that all the time, like, Lord, right now we just, we want to speak to you, right? Like, we, we do that, and we use fillers, and we, and we but God just wants you to speak the way you speak to someone else in normal language. God wants you to speak like that. And so many times we try to repeat, 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 and say things over and over because we're focused on the length and not on the love. And God is saying, no, what you don't understand about prayer is prayer is more about the love in the relationship than is in the extent of your prayer. Look what Matthew chapter 6 says. It says, when you pray, go into a room by yourself. After you have shut the door, pray to your father. Who? Your father. See, many times we don't even know who we're praying to. We're so focused on the act that we don't realize that it's a person we're speaking to. And we're speaking to some sergeant. We're speaking to some master. We're speaking to some judge. But he's saying when you pray, pray like you're in relationship with the father. 
maybe not your earthly father because he may have been a bad example, but there is a good, good father that you can pray to because prayer is less about the length and more about the love in the relationship. This is a better way to pray. Look what it says, it says, when you pray, do not say the same thing over and over and over again. Making long prayers, watch this, like people who do not know God. They think they are heard because their prayers are long. Do not be like them. Your father knows what you need even before you ask him. No, this is this doesn't mean, look, I want you to I want you to hear this. This doesn't mean that we don't take undivided time to pray to God. This means that the undivided time we take is not about the length of the undivided time. It's about the love within it. He says, it's not about all the words and how long and you're looking at the clock and you're saying, okay, I got three more minutes. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. One more minute. Glory, 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 glory. And you look up every spiritual word in the Bible. You go bilingual, santo, 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 santo. I say, no, man, it's not about the many words. It's about the heart. It's about the love. Last but not least, you want to know a better way to pray? Prayer has less to do with moving God and more to do with molding your heart. Did you hear that? Prayer has less to do with moving God and more to do with molding your heart. How often have we gone to prayer to simply to, to get God to do something we want God to do and God is saying, no, what you don't understand is, is simply conversing with me, simply dialoguing with me, simply speaking to me. What happens is not that you're moving me. What happens is that I begin to mold you and your heart starts becoming molded by God and shaped during that time and your conversations don't you understand that the conversations that you have every single day are molding you anyway the people you frequently speak to are the people who mostly are molding you the people you are dialoguing with are the people that are molding you the people that you're watching on TV are the people that are molding you that are, are, are training you and God is saying, when you pray, it's not about moving me. For I am the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. It's about me molding your heart. And when you start realizing that in your prayer, as you're connecting with God, something starts happening to your inner person. As you're connecting with God, the very thing that you need, you, you don't worry anymore about it. The very thing that you're praying for, you don't stress about it anymore. But because you start realizing that Jesus is all you need. You start realizing in the middle of your prayer, as you're praying, God, I just, right now I'm going through this, and God, and, and as you're praying for that, and you're going in on that, God starts doing something in your heart, and he starts displacing the worry, and he starts displacing the fear, and he starts displacing the anxiety, anxiety, and he starts filling your life, and when you become alive in him, you're saying, wow, this is what I really needed. I needed to be connected to the source. I needed to be plugged in to my Savior. I really 
realized that Jesus is enough. I've realized Jesus is all I need. Because when I needed bread, I realized when I was hungry that Jesus was my bread. I realized that when I was thirsty, Jesus was my water. I've realized that when I was stressed out, Jesus was my peace. I realized that when I was hurt, Jesus was my healing. I realized that when I was confused, Jesus was my wisdom. I realized that when I was unsure, Jesus was my confidence. I realized that when my bank account was empty, Jesus was my wealth. I realized that when they lied about me, Jesus was my truth. I realized that when I was in battle, Jesus was my victory. And that is why that when I may worship, Jesus is my God. That's why. That's why. That when I'm worried, Jesus is my peace. Jesus is my peace. This is, it's amazing what happens. When I displace worry. What, what has you stressed right now? Is it your future? Is your plans stressing you out right now? Is it your family stressing you out right now? What is it that is displacing Christ from your life when Christ actually wants to displace the thing that is stressing you out the most? He says, I'm looking for you to get connected. I don't know about you, but in these next 21 days or these next 20, 33 days of prayer, I want to connect with God. I don't want to live a life disconnected. Just know this, a life disconnected from God is a life that would always be dominated by some type of concern or worry. Just know that. It's not God punishing you. It's in the same manner that you're not receiving a reward for prayer. You do receive rewards for prayer, but know most of the time that they're not rewards. Why are you so blessed? It's just the byproduct of connecting with God. How is it that you do this? Just a byproduct of connecting with God. I wish the story of Kuhau was about planning and execution. <laughs> I wish it was about like, yeah, here's what we did. We, 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 we planned for this time and we said that we were going to do this and we said we were going to do that and we executed the way we planned it. No, it was God told me I did it and it happened. I get asked by young pastors all the time, how, how did this happen? How did this, how, in Staten Island? In Staten Island? You got a church like that in Staten Island? Churches die in Staten Island. What are you doing planning a church? God told me to do it, I did it, and it happened. So God says, I want to displace worry from your life, but here's what I need you to do. I need you to connect with me. And so, for 21 days, we're gonna be fasting and for the next we started a 40-day journey praying. And what we're doing as a church, the whole entire leadership, our team of volunteers and members are coming together and say, hey, I'm committing myself to take at least minimum. It's just gonna take 21 minutes. And why are we putting a time to it? It's not about the time. But sometimes within our own minds, we need to we need to say, okay, I'm going to take this devoted time and I'm just going to give it to God. I'm not going to 
just have on-the-go prayer. How many of you guys know that this marriage will not succeed if it's just on-the-go? How many of you know that for this relationship to succeed, that we need to connect? As a matter of fact, oftentimes what you see in public is simply a manifestation of the connection we have in private. And if we showed you the connection we had in private, you'd be grossed out. And God wants to connect with you in private so that the demons you face in public will be defeated. I'm going to ask you to get up on your feet at this time as we pray. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Our mission here at Christ Uncensored House of Worship is to love God, love people, and love life. Kuhau is a place where our story is still being written. Together, we can do more than we can ever do alone. If this message has encouraged you and you wish to partner with us in taking this message all across the world, go to kuhau.com give or follow us on any social media platform. Thank you in advance for your support and generosity. Come and begin a whole new journey with us.